This is episode 11 with Ali Kalafala. Welcome to The Athletic Mindset. My name is Corey Camp, former Division I swimmer turned personal trainer and coach. Each week, it's going to be my goal to bring you a unique story of an elite athlete's mindset to help you unlock and discover your life's potential. Today's guest is a two-time Olympic swimmer representing his native country of Egypt. He moved to Virginia in high school and later found himself at Indiana University, where he quickly became one of the nation's and world's top sprinters. We discuss what it's like to move to a completely new country, how he handles the pressures and expectations of his family and coaches, as well as how he has gone head-to-head with some of the most famous sprinters in history and won. I'm very excited to be able to have Ali join me today and to share his story with you all. Hello. Hey, Ali, it's Corey. How's it going? Hey, Corey. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely looking forward to it. Uh, I've got to know Bob pretty well these past yeah. few months and talks very highly of you. So. Yeah, I, I mean, Bob and I were, we were one of the closest friends on the team, especially because we, always, we would always room together and we'd go and uh, we would have the relay, the first relay, the relay together like throughout all my three years with them. So, yeah, Bob is, Bob, Bob is a special guy for sure. <laughs> That's what he was telling me. Um, yeah. So he's he's awesome. I've I've only got to swim with him in master swimming, so not quite the same okay. uh, level, but <laughs> still fun. It's still some competition, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. And so you guys are you guys are swimming for masters and just kind of training with together or just kind of um, training very lightly. I'd say okay. like him and I will occasionally. I think we've swam one meet together. Um, okay. We kind of just like pick and choose, and it's more just for fun when we miss the competition. You yeah. Know, come check it out. We're definitely not doing the same uh, level that you're doing right now. Yeah, it's definitely. Well, it's still, at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's something that makes you happy. Swimming is something that we love, so that's all that matters. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Diving into things, um, tell me about how you kind of got started in swimming. What really made you choose this sport over all the other ones out there? Um, it definitely was kind of a challenge at the beginning. Um, I started at age six. Um, in Egypt, we have kind of uh, people that would go to club teams, and you know that would be the first or the starting point for all of us to start swimming, kind of just to, to learn and, and to, uh, to get through with, uh, you know, just learning lessons and everything. Um, it was just me and my sister kind of, it was mostly my mom's kind of idea, and it was her dream to, to have her kids kind of win medals and um, end up on, a, on the medal stage in Egypt. So my swimming story kind of started with that, and um, we, we just kind of you know, went from one level to the next. And it was, it was not like the most easy um, experience in my life because um, I, I had so much pressure on my back for um, to go through, like, they'll say, like, level one through five. And, um, whenever you get to level four, people kind of start seeing whether you're talented or not. And if, if you are, you can, they kind of push you up to, um, like, another level or, like, they, they would pick maybe a level for you and you would just go straight to the team. Um, and that was sort of my case. I, I was among one of the most talented swimmers in my club team and back home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of helped me uh, set my foot um, on a on – a, on really fast grounds and it's just kind of 
you know, from there I started to do more like international competitions, and it was it was honestly very um, it was not something that I was prepared for. Um, but going out, you know, out of my comfort zone, going to different competitions in Germany with my club team, going to different competitions in in Europe generally, that was kind of um, you know a challenge that really helped me later when I came to the United States. Mm-hmm. You mentioned not really being prepared for it. What was the adjustment period for you? What was probably the hardest thing, and how did you adapt? Yeah, especially when when I'm back home. When I was back home, like you know, when my first competition was like when I was 11 years old. So it wasn't it wasn't a great you know I wasn't prepared for it. There wasn't that much that went into my mind as like an 11 year old. But um, once you kind of like. One, one year after the next, you start to know more, you start to learn from what you've done, you from your mistakes and that kind of stuff. Um, and the adjustment that I really had when I when I was 15, really, I decided to to look at other options. You know, I, the Egyptian um, education system can sometimes be a little bit brutal mm-hmm. when it comes to balancing between um, swimming and academics. Um, so one of my friends went to uh, went to a school here in Virginia, actually, in the United States, and he kind of told me about it. It was a Fort Union Military Academy, and it was a military academy, as I said. So that was kind of a hard, hard challenge, like moving from Egypt at age 15 with no family, with no one behind my back, just kind of me and me and just the rest of the world, me and swimming and academics, just kind of a new adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I took on that adventure um, when I was 15, it just kind of everything worked out. It, Actually, it's, a, it's kind of a funny story because when I was, when I arrived in the United States, it's been only like two weeks. I have some traveling experiences to Europe and everything. So I'm, I'm all on my own. There's military, you know, you kind of, it's a military academy. You have to take care of your own stuff. You have to kind of, you know, rely on yourself to be responsible. And all of that stuff I was never used to, obviously, back home, especially, you know, in Middle Eastern cultures, um, like the family is such an important thing. And um, the family to take care of you from when you're young until, you know, you graduate is from college. It's kind of like an expected thing. So when you come to the United States, which is very Western, um, the culture is very different where you kind of take care of yourself from a young age. And, you know, sometimes, you know, uh, you have to pay your own bills at some point, you have to take care of yourself. So it's two completely different cultures. Um, so that adjustment kind of, you know, it taught me so much, but at the same time, it was such a challenge that after two weeks, I would call up my family and I'll be like, yeah, I, I, I want to go back home. <laughs> I don't want to stay here. <laughs> so it was kind of, uh, it was kind of, this is like, I would say this was kind of the challenge that if I would have gave up that time, I would have, just went back home and I would not have been able to go through all of those eight or nine years in the United States and qualifying for the Olympics, qualifying for three world championships. Like if I would have just taken a step and went, yeah, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone in Egypt. I would have definitely been in a really, you know, in, in a spot where I wouldn't have been today. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, definitely. I think you really, hit it there um very well said was there anything i guess particular from your upbringing in egypt that kind of you could attribute now to the swimmer you are now and all that yeah i think especially for egyptians and you know coming from i wouldn't say obviously as an egyptian i'm proud to be egyptian Mm -hmm. but you know coming 
besides Chase, there's so much more that you can see. There's so much more um, resources, um, people to help you grow, um, like a collective system that can help you out. And back in Egypt, that's kind of a that's kind of a hard thing to find, especially if you want to do find it. You have to be able to to provide for yourself, and you have to be coming from a rich family, and so on. And you know, I I never, I mean, I it's not like I came from a rich family or anything, but it's kind of um, it's it just depends on how much money you have back home. If you have the ability to actually kind of um, take care of yourself, do that, do this, that's kind of like you go to practices and you have a mental coach, you have um, a nutritionist, you have all of those people that can help you to um, set your foot on the right path. Um, and that's usually something that's very hard to find. Uh, mm-hmm. But with that in mind, it's kind of a, it teaches you a lot because when you come to the United States and you find that there's so many opportunities for you. Um, there are many resources that you can just, you know, use with a, and they're covered for you, like moving to Indiana and, you know, Indiana University and finding my sports psychologist. So I didn't have to pay for that. Everything was taken care of. Um, you know, food was done for me. Everything, you know, you're just dining hall and you eat. And, you know, as an athlete, that's like the most important thing. But back home, um, that was such a that was such a rare thing to find. It was such a luxury to be able to um, go through all of that and to actually, you can go through it, but you wouldn't really know whether that's what's going to help you or not. Um, but especially in the United States, coming from that background, you you see how much of an advantage you have. You see, you see, you kind of like, you're back home, like I can see all of that. I can really use all of that. So when I'm, when I'm here, it's more like I can't take this for granted. It's mm-hmm. something that, you know, not that many people, especially coming from Africa, would witness. Um, you know, Egypt and South Africa would be, and maybe Algeria, they would be like the top three countries in, in, in Africa where you'd have pretty decent swimming, you'd have pretty decent competitions. Um, and that just really goes back to, you know, they're three of the best or the most well-off countries in Africa. And coming to the United States, especially from Egypt, you you really open your eyes to a lot of things that you weren't used to and you just look at it as a way to improve and as a way to kind of, um, you know, it's something I've never had in my life. So, I mean, the way I always think about that kind of stuff when I there's something I haven't tried or there's something that I wasn't really paying attention to, it's I just think about it as a way to get better. Um, um, and that really just kind of sets, you know, sets me to, to really uh, improve my, whether my speed or my technique or just kind of get a new target at my goals um it's just it's definitely something that kind of teaches you to not take anything for granted mm-hmm. i think as as americans um i know myself i can we kind of take things for granted we kind of forget that you know the rest of the world doesn't really have everything so easily accessible to them um and I think we just overlook that oftentimes. So it's cool Absolutely. to see you were able to transition and kind of experience more of an abundance set, but then you still keep that appreciation of, hey, this might not always be there for me. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I mean, you never know, especially as internationals coming to the United States. Um, there's usually like a visa, and you go through a lot of stuff for immigration and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you never know whether you're going to have this for you know four or five years, or going to have it for ten years. It's it's more like you know you just gotta stay in the moment and you gotta really um, 
you know, appreciate and think that you're just very lucky to be in such a great country. And it's something that I'm always proud of to, to be able to swim in America, swim with my American teammates. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's always something that I can add to them. And it's always something in return from them to me. And, you know, it's such a, such a great environment to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Was there anything that really particularly helped you make that transition? Um, like anyone, was there a certain person or was there something that I guess helped you through making that move over here? Um, it was definitely, you know, like I said, my friend who kind of um, helped me, you know, come here and um, helped me get started at a military academy where I was kind of very new to ever, like anything. I mean, I mm-hmm. really had to take care of myself from, from A to Z. So, um, but other than my friend, definitely my family that were the biggest supporting system. Um, they, you know, it was not very easy to get in touch with them there because, you know, at a military academy, at least the one I was in, they would take away your phone and any sort of communication. So your the way you kind of get in, got in touch with your, your, with your family and friends would be through email or Payphone that would kind of be, you know, um, wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to do it any time of the day. It would be maybe from like four to six p.m. and um, you know, it, it was very hard mm-hmm. to say the least. That you can get in touch easily, which is obviously a lot of us like nowadays are obviously with social media um, and everything that we're you know using and Snapchat, Instagram, all of that. We can get in touch easily, like with FaceTime. I, I'd always FaceTime my family. It's a lot easier to do that, even if it's like 12 a.m. or 6 p.m. So when you go through that and kind of um, you you find it hard to get in touch with people that are very dear to you, it's it's hard. You know, it's not the easiest. But at the same time, whenever you did get in touch with them, whenever I did get in touch with my family, it was it was just, just the most satisfying thing in the world because you know you kind of. You have the per- the perfect balance of your life where you kind of you're taking care of yourself, you're swimming well, you're, you're studying well, you're you know you're doing you're doing what you can, and on the other side there's your, there's your family waiting for you and supporting you whether you're two thousand miles away or you're right next to them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was definitely my family the biggest supporter during especially during those years. Um, you know the first few years when I was at Fuma um, for Union, and it was definitely. It was definitely an eye-opening, eye-opening experience. Kind of, you know, realized that um, there's so much more to life than just kind of, you know, staying next to your family and staying next to your comfort zone and um, just going out of your comfort zone, going to a new whole, like a whole new country, and, um, and just kind of accepting challenges as they come and not being scared. Yeah, I mean, it definitely takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of just getting used to, um, yeah. it's, I mean, it's hard enough. I feel like when you transition to a new school or something like that, but I can't imagine throwing in a completely new culture as well that you're trying to learn. Um, Absolutely. just the, the customs and how everything works. It's like, at least when you're American going to American university or something like that, you have that, um, background, I guess, in that culture already. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now I want to talk about kind of your recruiting process though to to Indiana. How'd you end up choosing them um, mm-hmm. over all the other great colleges out there? What made you choose IU? Um, you know, it was actually a very funny story because 
uh, my coach at the time when I was at Puma, um, Chris Van Sluten, he, uh, he was one of my, you know, we still keep in touch today. He's one of the greatest people and I would, I would, I'm very happy that I was coached under him for three years. Um, a little background on Puma, actually we won um, two back-to-back state champs, which hasn't happened in a long time, mm-hmm. um, with just six swimmers and two divers. So we were we were not one of the best teams because we didn't have 20 swimmers. We only have like just enough to win relays and score some individual points. Um, but all thanks to him, he was a great guy. He's uh, yeah, he's definitely one of the main reasons why I was able to go to Indiana and get recruited by them because um, we I was just kind of hanging out in um, like one of the um, I want to say like you know facilities that's just kind of you you meet all the uh, commandants and kind of talk to them. You just you chill in there and whatnot. But he he walks in and. He tells me, "Hey, um, Indiana is uh, is interested in recruiting you." And I was like, "What's Indiana? I've never <laughs> heard of Indiana. <laughs> like, I, I obviously like I didn't know that there was a state called Indiana. I didn't know that there was a school called Indiana. Um, it's just coming from Egypt, it's just something that never really rang a bell. And mm-hmm. um, and I was right when I went on my recruiting trip. The first thing I learned about Indiana was that they're known for corn. So." Um, that was something that kind of that was that wasn't very impressive coming from Egypt and having the pyramids and having that great stuff. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I was just kind of like you know very. It was it was such a great experience because when I went on my recruiting trip, I just had the best. Like it was just the best time. Um, I I got to see so many people. There was an Egyptian diver there. Um, we got to talk and you know just kind of. Seeing um, the change and seeing Indiana grow from a top 15, top 10, um, top 10 NCAA um, uh, team placing to a top three in, in my four years there, um, it was such a great experience. But I was actually looking at Indiana and other schools, but I never got to visit any of the other schools. I only visited in Indiana. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why, it's probably not the best thing to do, but if I'm given advice, but it just kind of sat right when I visited Indiana that this is definitely the place that I want to come. This is definitely the place that I want to be a part of. Um, and, you know, it was such a, it was such a, you know, very, you know, very humbling experience for, for me especially because, you know, there were great swimmers there that came on my recruiting trip and Indiana always. and. They definitely kept on recruiting me up until I, I had a late, very late um, commitment. Mm-hmm. It was, I think, right after my state meet, which was in March or February. So we, they kept on, you know, they, they kept on pers- persistence and they had so much to, to give and um, the amount of love that they poured on me during that time was just amazing. I, I just couldn't turn it down. I, I tried to look somewhere better. Um, it's not like I, I had the best. I was obviously waiting for a lot of um, financial support from them and, and all of that depended on my swimming uh, it's definitely paid off at the end um, even if it wasn't the financial support that I needed but I knew that making it and going to Indiana would be the right, right choice for me um, and I did I mean I, I would not I, w- I wouldn't spare it for anything else in the world you know it's uh, it's it's. You know, I graduated from there last May and um, I was just 
you know, it's, it's just the history of Indiana and, and being able to, to help Indiana get from a top 13 to the third in, in national play in four years. Um, and then they just do it again last year. It's such a, it's such a, you know, it's such a great thing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I feel like at least during the recruiting process, you just, sometimes you just know. Uh, there's no real like tangible thing. You just you just feel like okay, I belong here for what whatever that may be. Um, I think that's kind of probably what you experienced, no? Absolutely. Yeah, you you just kind of. I mean, especially when you get there, you 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 automatically feel like the like how the coaches are talking to you, how the team is just kind of very close together, and um, they're all like cheering on each other. And, they're giving you the sport. They're talking to you. They're they're telling you. And I mean, obviously, nothing. No program in history is uh, perfect. But at the end of the day, like, how do they go through that imperfect imperfection and um, and just work on each other, help each other out? And it's definitely something that I saw, especially with with the captains that were there at the time. And um, it's it's definitely an eye opening experience. Like I said, just going to. Coming from Egypt, going to Fuma for three years, and then going to Indiana for five years, and you know, helping them, helping both programs in a way that I would always be proud of. Um, it's, it's something that I was just, you know, I would never forget, and um, it's it's something that I'm very humbled and very grateful that I was able to do. You know, just like less than one percent um, from Egyptians, whether it's you know in Africa or anywhere else in the world, to come to the United States and do that. Yeah, and that kind of leads perfectly. What advice do you have for any fellow international athletes that are looking for that kind of experience that you, I guess, have yeah. lived for the past five, six years? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my advice would just be kind of, you know, uh, like just kind of approach the challenge and approach your 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 comfortable zone, as they say. Like you kind of, you have to really overcome and you have to, get ready to know that this is not going to be like anything you've ever done in your life. Um, and I don't say that as a way to kind of, you know, um, make it seem negative, but it's definitely not. It's just, it's going to be uncomfortable for anyone to come from somewhere where, I've li- where they have lived like 15 years to somewhere that they've never lived in their lives and they have to be here for at least nine, 10 months in, in a row where they just take care of their school, take care of their swimming and whatnot. Um, coming you know, coming to a different country, whether it's the United States or, you know, going to Europe or even moving just right next door to a different country. Um, it's just kind of, you have, you have to be ready for challenges and to know that these challenges, even though they may seem like they're not very, you know, they're not very hard or they're not like the, the thing that you think is going to help you at the end of the day, they will pay off in one way, in one way or another. So, um, uh, that's definitely my advice. You're just keeping on, keeping on, keeping on. You know, you just kind of, um, you sort of just learn and you grow from there. And you make mistakes, which is, you know, sometimes I've made like brutal, brutal mistakes where I kind of regret it, but at the same time you learn from it. Um, and that would be my advice. Yeah. It's all, it's all a learning process. I mean, yeah. there's nothing I feel like that yeah. you can do that you can't learn from mm-hmm. eventually. And just being yeah, okay absolutely. with being okay with, with that mess up or a mistake, and as long as you can learn from it, that's that's all that really matters in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. No, I mean, you touched on it. IU is a very storied program, um, historically, mm-hmm. all the way back 
60s, 70s onwards. You guys have always been great and, you know, currently sitting third in the NCAA the past few years. What was it like mentally to, like, approach practice every day? Because, I mean, there's not an easy day. You're swimming with other people that are pretty, you know, are Olympians and uh, NCAA champions and, you know, whatnot. How did you approach that day in and day out? You know, it's just kind of you come in every day to practice. You're ready to make an improvement. You're, you know, you've done everything in preparation for practice. You know, it, it may not be the perfect day, but I came in every day with the mindset that, you know, I'm, I'm going to have the best, I'm going to have the most fun um, with my teammates. We're going to have a great practice, and then we're just going to go back to being us, just going back to, um, you know, academics and whatnot, and kind of, you know, learning from what we did today in practice. And that's definitely something that I took, um, um, that I really paid attention to was what what can I do today that I didn't do yesterday? Um, what, what am I not seeing that still needs some work on, you know, whether it's technique or... Um, you know, coming coming from Egypt, there was less uh, paying attention to you know the smallest of details, just like technique and turns. And especially when you're in a different country like Europe or or the Middle East, you usually have pools that are either short course meters um, or long course meters. You never have yards. So moving anyone moving from a different country to the United States kind of sees that, and it's usually a struggle. Um, and that's something that I had, even though. You know, swimming at a high school level is completely different from a collegiate level. Mm-hmm. So I had to make an adjustment um, um, for that and, you know, just coming in every day, focusing on the small details and, you know, just coming at it as if it's just a new obstacle that you have to overcome and, and having fun with it. Like, that, that's the most, that's, that's what really, you know, made me feel at home at IU, just kind of coming in to my teammates every day and we're having a great time and um, we're going big tens, you know, my first year where I, you know, I went 19-4, which was just 400s off the meet record, and sorry, the 400s off the uh, IU record, which was set back in 2009 or 2010, um, and then, you know, coming back next year and going 19-2 and, you know, breaking that record and also going in 18 my first year at, uh, at IU, my, you know, my times going into IU were, you know, they were 20.353, and my best relay split was 19.9. So dropping a second um, and almost a second in individual 50 is just, it was kind of, you know, okay, this is working out. Like, it just kind of reminds me, reminded me at a time that, yeah, this is definitely working out. I, I need, just need to put a little bit more each year and put a little bit more each practice so I can get closer to um, 18 seconds in the 50. And that's definitely something that happened my junior year when I went 18-9 and got second in the the Big Ten Championships. Um, That was was sort of the, you know, the peak of my collegiate experience with IU. Mm. Um, And, you know, it was definitely, especially during that time, I was also, when I went 18-9, that was the same time I was going to... um, to Orlando, Florida for a tier pro series meet um, to qualify to the Olympics, mm-hmm. which was in March. So it was right between Big Tens and NCAAs where I was like, okay, this is definitely a challenge. Should I do it or should I not? I I was such, I was in the middle of two important meets of the season collegiately and then another meet that was 
going to help me qualify to the Rio Olympics. Um, and, you know, going there, you know, you definitely know, like, it, when, when you're in college, you have two big meets, and if you're going to, you want to qualify, or you want to do some international meet that will help you qualify to something, usually the, the college team would stay back, the coaches will stay back to take care of the team, to prepare them for the college, you know, the NCAA championships or whatnot. Um, so I had to go all on my own. Um, I had to go to Orlando, Florida, all on my own in the middle of two most important meets for for IU, um, and to qualify to the Olympics while you know being the responsible kind as I am, <laughs> you just kind of you go and you you uh, you kind of you know you do everything on your own. You I, I just you know just did it all my, by myself with with a few teammates that were there, and um, it was definitely kind of an experience that you know I would never forget because it was such a this, I would say one of the biggest swimming challenges because you know you're you have you have expectations from your coaches but you also want to do the best you can so you don't want to you don't want to do really well at big times and not do the best at civilized you want to be consistent and that's definitely something that I learned and definitely something that I did with IU mm-hmm. I think there's two things there what's really impressive and what stands out to me is that you know, I guess at this point you've been in the U.S. for four or five years, but really that's not a long time. And, you know, from that experience, you know, fast forward just four or five years, you're going on this meet alone. Um, And not only that, you, you end up qualifying for Rio. What was like just going through your head as you're going to Orlando? Um, You don't really have the, support system that you normally would have with me with IU and NCAAs that kind of stuff what was that like it was very challenging um you know I just I planned the whole trip by myself um I definitely it was something that I planned for um with my coach at the time Dennis Dale um and we both agreed that this would be the best time because I would be tapered for big times just maintain that speed um go to Orlando get the time, come back, maintain more speed, and then go to the doubles. Um, so kind of, you know, just having having the opportunity to, to go from Indiana to Orlando and um, and facing obstacles on the way where I don't have to, where I, where I don't have my actual coach with me um, as I qualify for the Olympics, um, it's definitely something that can bring so many people down. It's definitely something that be like, yeah, I don't have my coach. No one can look over me. Um, no one can help me out. Um, it's not my usual comfort zone. And that's always something that I think of. Just is this a place where I'm comfortable or not? Um, and it's definitely, it definitely wasn't a place where I was very comfortable. I you know, going there, not having anyone or any one of my close friends to socialize with, and um, my coach to you know get me ready and all of that. You have to rely on yourself. Like it's just remind me back to Fuma always because um, you know having integrity and discipline to, to, to work when there's no one watching and to, to get the job done when there's no one there to do it for you um, you it falls on you actually whether you believe and whether you want to do that and whether you want to qualify or not because I could have easily just went and had fun in Orlando and not came back or not have really went to Rio and qualified but it was something that I really wanted to do. It's regardless of my family is there, regardless of my coaches are there, it's something for me and it's something for me and for my country to, to 
to be able to do and to to do something that's never done for you before, you know. So um, that's that was that was what really motivated me to you know get that standard. Which so for Egypt, in order to qualify to the Olympics, um, it's quite different than the United States. You in the United States, you go to times you go to Olympic trials, which is a few months before the Olympics. But for Egypt, you you hit a standard A cut time. Which at the time was 22 seconds, 21, 27 one hundredths of a second mm-hmm. in the 50 freestyle. So um, I just, you know, I had to hit that time or faster. So in the morning I was 22.5 in prelims. Um, and at night I was 22.25. So I was just two one hundredths under that barrier, which helped me qualify. And it was actually right at the end when when you can qualify to the Olympics. Um, there's like a set date. Um, and being like qualifying in such a really, you know, I have two meets and I have, I'm one of the last swimmers to qualify to, to the Rio Olympics. There was so much pressure on my back to, to really do it. But at the end of the day, it was all on me. Oh, I, I didn't really have to do it for anyone else. And that's something that a lot of swimmers always kind of fall into. Um, they think that their career is dependent on their family or their career is dependent on their coaches. You know, they have so much expectations coming from them that they forget what they really want. Um, and that's something that I keep renewing, you know, keep thinking every day that I'm doing it for me. I'm doing it because I love swimming and I'm doing it because this is something that I love doing. And while I do that, I still, you know, reach my coach's expectations and my family and, and everything, everyone that really supports me. Yeah, I think you hit that perfectly. I, I was going to ask if you had felt, ever felt external pressure and how you handled it, but yeah. I think you pretty much answered it pretty pretty well yeah. there. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on that you had brought up earlier was when you were approach, about your approach, it sounds like something that I always try to teach the kids that I work with now is you want to attack day by day and count those little wins. And if you do that, then those bigger things kind of fall into place. It sounds like you were able to have the big goals there, but keep it in perspective and know what you had to do day in, day out to get there. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's you're definitely you're definitely you know, you you're right on, especially when when you have bigger goals you and you hit them one year, you have to put even bigger goals to hit them next year and it's not easy, especially in sprint events, to to drop time. As, as you know, like in milers, they can they can drop minutes, and it's not a problem. But with sprinters, it's it's so hard to drop ten one hundreds of a second in a year, and especially in long course, that can be one of the toughest thing. And to come back and to focus on you know the smallest details and to pay attention to something that you haven't seen before, that's like the most important thing. This is this is what really differentiates someone who really wants it from someone who you know just kind of eh, kind of doesn't really really want it um but at the end of the day you you really you just you got to put it all everything you can and you know mm-hmm. i definitely when when i was in orlando hitting 22 25 and you know the olympics the standard gets faster each year um, this year the standard was 21 uh, 22 04 uh, and 201 um and that's definitely a lot faster than 22, 27, yeah. you know. Um, so I knew that going into World Champs, which was just in uh, July in South Korea, 
um, in order to hit 22.01, I would, uh, my mind can't be on a 22. My mind has to be on a 21. Um, and definitely when I was in, um, I, uh, when I was in Spain, 2018, I was able to get under the 22 second barrier for the first time ever. Um, and it was 21.97 and being able to do that again and go faster than 21. Um, 90, 97 was, was a challenge, um, especially with my move from Indiana to Alabama in the past few months and, you know, going through all of that, you know, just adjusting and moving. Um, it was definitely a challenge, but I was able to hit 2198 um, and qualify to the next Olympics to Tokyo in 2020. So, um, you know, you, it's important to put our mind and just as a swimmer to, you know, do stuff that are you're not used to and you know, taking, you know, moving, you know, it's just kind of like something that happened out of nowhere, you know, you know, like you realize this is such an important thing in your life and is it worth moving for? And for me, absolutely. It definitely was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's, that's really well said. And I think, I mean, what's unique to you, I, I swam distance. So I was mm -hmm. like kind of the complete opposite end of the spectrum um, <laughs> yeah. from your events, but I feel like the mindset is still similar in a way because it's hard to for non-swimmers to really carp I just get their head around it of you put in hours and hours and days and almost years worth of work just to drop a hundredth of a second and it would be fair to say you would be pretty ecstatic to drop a hundredth of a second. So but to outsiders, that's like, that's crazy. Like, why would he do this work over and over? Um, since you do the 50, it's over so quickly. Do you have any special approach that you go into it with? You know, it's just, are you talking in terms of you know, approach as competing or approach in, in the actual, in the race itself. Like, yeah, what are you um, thinking about leading up to it that you think has allowed you to have that success? I usually, you know, for it's 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 kind of a really, um, you know, for a lot of swimmers, it's different because some swimmers would rather socialize and talk and have fun right before a race, and other swimmers would just block everyone off. And I'm kind of the kind of swimmer that blocks everyone off. Mm -hmm. um, where you know the fifty, there's no there's no tolerance for mistakes, and um, you know, as I get ready for any meet, as I get ready for any any sort of 50 or 100 freestyle or 50 butterfly, I, I definitely, you know, make sure that I've warmed up the perfect amount and I've done everything perfectly. Um, not in a way that's 100%, but definitely in a way that's, um, I'm very confident in what I did and how I prepared. I'm very confident in the training that I've done. Um, and it's, it's from there that I start, you know, believing in myself. You know, I, I it's not about the, hour right before the race it's about the past year before the race and for me you have to um kind of you know think about that and believe and really do the work so that your body your mind and your body really you know puts it into effect where yes i've done the work i've gone i've gone through rigorous regimes and i've gone through rigorous training in order to get here um, and that's just something that you know has helped me um, get ready and you know it lifts a lot of pressure off my shoulder because you know you, you think about you know sometimes you think about your regrets and I should have done this that 
bad day. I should have done this this day. But for me, I just always think about, you know, I've done the work. I believe in my, what my coach does, and I believe in how his training works out for me. And from there, I just have an hour right before the race, and I just hype myself up with music or, you know, just kind of, you know, get into the mood and, you know, get into the 50 free racing, you know, kind of, you know, just kind of hyping yourself up and not talking to anyone for me. Um, and you just kind of, um, you know, it's just from there, it's, it's been proven to help me a lot. Um, just kind of getting, getting that coffee that I always get before, man, it just kind of, it just sets the mood just right for 50 freestyle. Um, especially, the 100 is a little bit different, obviously, but, um, the 53 is definitely something that, you know, I, I admire and I love because it's just such an event that's just, you know, it's 22 seconds or 21 seconds and, you know, it's, it just proves who's the fastest and it proves who, who really wants it more, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, it's over so quickly. I, I'm super envious. My, I mean, my last ever, you know, collegiate swim was the 1650 and I like so wish that it was, anything shorter because i feel like just getting pumped up for your last one you're like i'm gonna go i'm gonna put everything in it and it's like so much restraint to be like i can't go out like all out the first hundred because i have so much more left absolutely yeah (laughs) Um, uh i think that's that's huge and you touched on too not having regrets i think the biggest takeaway i had was like when it when it came time to race day and and the day of the meet you can't think of all that you did um, and get hung up on what you didn't do because it doesn't matter at that point. You can't change it. You just have to focus on what you can control that day, and that's that's your performance. Um, and do everything that you can possibly do that day to, to win or to do a best time. Um, you touched a little bit on your training. Do you have any tips for those people out there that, you know, you're not always going to feel like training – do you have any tips for people to kind of get over that? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously no one has it perfectly, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really important to, when you're having a great day of training, to really you know, kind of control yourself because, I, you know, you're the only person that really knows who you are and to, you know, when things are starting to get more stressful, it's really important to control how you're responding to it. Um, and, for me, usually what I do to help to help myself out is to kind of stick to a regime and stick to a routine, where you know I'm I'm definitely you know waking up at this time and getting getting ready for practice that way, and it's something that I do you know sort of every day to to keep myself in check and um, go into practice ready. So um, definitely you know when whenever stress comes up because it does come up all the time for swimmers in practice. It's so important to um, just take a look back and, you know, kind of slow down breathing and, and, you know, just kind of go through um, one thing at a time and not thinking about the whole thing at once. Um, That's definitely something that's really helped me out. And I think it helps out a lot of swimmers because it's such a stressful sport. Um, And when when you start to kind of itemize and look at it one thing at a time, it really goes a long way. So that would, that would definitely be one, my number one advice. Yeah. yeah, I think it takes a lot of maturity to you go into those days of practice when you're having a bad day and not let that bad day impact your performance. Because it's very easy, I feel like, 
you're not, you know, some external things are going on in your life and you get into the pool and you see what the practice is, the main set, and you're just like, wow, like, no, I can't do this today. Like, it's not my day. And I think when you itemize it and can shift your focus on little things that you can do, um, you'll improve each day, whether it's your best practice or not. (laughs) You can still find improvements. Uh, and you touched on earlier going to Rio. What was that kind of Olympic experience like itself? And then after the games, um, have, did you experience any sort of like Olympic hangover, like let down afterwards or anything like that? Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, I mean, the Olympics, obviously, that was one of the, obviously the biggest challenge and the biggest competition I've ever went to um, in the past few years. But it was such a it was such a great experience because a year before that at World Championships in Kazan, I was in Russia. I was um, you know that was my kind of my first ever um, competition with the Egyptian national team, and um, it was such a you know full, so it was such an experience full of pressure and you know walked out for my hundred free the first time and you know not really ready for what it, that experience is in it's gonna what it's gonna be like was so very hard. That was not easy at all. Um, just kind of looking at the blocks and then looking up at the stands and the stands were full definitely made me really, really stressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of from there, um, I went back to IU and I, I met with my sports psychologist who, who, who I've been working with for, for about a year now and I told him this happened and I don't want to repeat that same thing at the next Olympics. You know, it's definitely something that affected how I swam um, and my confidence going into the race and just completely forgetting what, about what I'm supposed to do. Um, so from there, we we had our, you know, we, we sat down, we did meditation, did all sorts of different things where um, when I go to Rio, when I swim the 53 there, I will be 100% ready. Um, and even though I didn't go best time at Rio, I, I just went the same time I went when I was at Orlando a few months earlier, which was 22-25. It was kind of, you know, I was not, I was very happy with it. I wasn't, I wouldn't trade it for anything else in the world because I knew I put in the work. I knew I've done everything I can. Um, And, you know, whatever it is, it's it's definitely something to improve from and to learn from. I never look at it as a way to, especially in the past year and a half, there's been so many um, letdowns when it comes to my swimming career, but at the same time, I always look at it as a way to improve and as a way to learn from it. Um, and that, especially from Rio, you know, not going the best time was something that I looked at it positively because it was definitely my first ever, you know, Olympic participation. I, I've never done anything like it before. Um, and I have one more next year. So what can I take from that one and transfer and do it in a much better way next year? So that's that's definitely something that taught me so much. And, and you know, it's, it's the Olympic Games, so you you hit or miss, and you have to. I have to train really well. I have to do the best I can, so I can so I can prove what I always believed in to be true. Mm-hmm. And I guess probably definitely having that first one under your belt it, does that change your preparation for this next one coming up next summer? Oh, absolutely. Especially you know you you're looking at four years, so. Over the course of four years, what have I been able to learn? What have I been able to get in touch with? You know, my mentors, my just 
front of my life coaches and, and my family, my support, my support system. All of those people have been, you know, not just helping me, but also helping me grow in a way that can help me um, do better at the next Olympics. So, uh, you know, whether it's recovery methods that I've been doing, whether it's, you know, following a certain, you know, nutrition plan and, and doing things that I've never done before and taking care of myself a little bit better, it all goes, it all goes a long way. And it's definitely going back to the small details. It's what matters, especially for, for any swimmer who wants to improve their times. There's a lot that goes into a 50 or the mile or the 200 IM. It's, it, it goes down to what you do outside the water and, it's all like a collective, um, a collective system that helps you achieve what you want in the end. So, yeah, I think that's really well said. And I know you touched on it earlier, um, working with a sports psychologist, what I think has been the biggest takeaway for you working with them that you found mm-hmm. like has worked best for you. Um, it's definitely, you know, with my, my sports psychologist was, Great, because it was my time at IU where I was dealing with so much, whether it's relationships or uh, swimming or academics or friendships. You know, all in all, it's just it helped me figure out myself. It helped me, you know, get mentorship from someone who's older than me. Um, and it's something that I'm so grateful to be to be able to have at IU because, um, you know, back home, I think in, in a lot of uh, Parts around the world, there around the world, there's a lot of um, sometimes shaming for people who seek help, mm-hmm. um, or they feel like um, they whether whatever it is, you know, they, they just feel like they they would get some they would get some criticism from them. They won't be very happy. They'll they'll feel like they have a mental illness, like a disease, more like that. And and they always look at psychologists or you know mental health as as a stigma that's kind of shameful. Um, and it's definitely something that I'm so out about because it's such a it's such an important matter, especially for all my for all my swimmers back home. I mean my my teammates and Egyptian swimmers especially, there's there's been such um, such a such a big stress and pressure on their lives to perform at an early age. Um, and it's something that my family did a really good job with. It's just kind of, you know, treat it as it is, be realistic. And, you know, at a young age, you shouldn't expect so much from your swimmers, and, but you should always support them. And um, I, I think that, you know, seeking out psychologists and seeking out um, help from older people and, you know, older professionals is something that's so important. And it should not be something that can, you know, bring someone down or, you know, help. You know, it should it should be in any way it should be a positive experience and I think that we've got some work to do especially as athletes um, whether whether it's um, you know one of the one, you know on the Egyptian national team or the United States national team um, we've got a lot of work to do to help other people understand that and know that it's such an important part of the process um, for athletes to seek help from older professionals so um, that's definitely something that I I think is worth noting. Yeah, and I think it's you. There is that stigma there, um, and it might be a negative association of of getting that help with therapy or you know sports psychology or whatever it may be. But I think slowly that narrative is is starting to shift, and I think that's what I'm hoping. Kind of things like this, people hear this message and kind of realize, oh, okay, like 
it's more common. Like more people Absolutely. than I think are are going to this. And I know like Phelps has been a huge advocate here in the U.S. That um, actually I was I was talking with another U.S. national teamer and he was telling me about how uh, USA Swimming has now implemented a um, stipend monthly where they are through their healthcare um, coverage. If you're on the national team, they are providing you with um, access to therapists. And I think that is a model that should be beyond not just, hopefully not just the sport of swimming. I don't know about a lot of other sports, um, but I hope that it, it is more broad reaching than just our sport. Absolutely. I, I agree with you hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, and one of the other things I want to touch on, um, that is unique to you. Um, you are deaf as an athlete, correct? Yeah, that's, absolutely. That's what Bob had, had told me. What was it like? Were there unique challenges that you have faced um, with that? Yeah. So, like, in, um, actually in my junior year of high school, um, it's something that I found out. and Not that many. It's, it's only, like, close friends that really, you know, they've noticed, you know, where they're engaged and whatnot. Um, it's not full deafness. It's definitely mm-hmm. um, hearing loss, which is about 50% in both ears. Um, and it was definitely a challenge because, um, I mean, I've, you know, coming from Egypt and having that as a challenge and going back my junior year of high school to find out I have partial deafness and mm-hmm. um, and, and finding that out um, was definitely kind of a, kind of a, you know, it, it let me down a little bit because I, you know, it's, it's, it's different because I think it's, it's always stigmatized to have, like, if it's, if you're wearing your gates, some people can sometimes, you know, look at it differently than when you're wearing glasses it's yeah. still the same thing it's still you know it's still kind of partial eyesight who's not it's not the best but some it's just kind of the culture treats things differently and that's definitely something that i felt during that time um but i over the past few years have grown to really appreciate it because um sometimes like right now i'm, I'm in alabama and i live at a complex where there's a train right next to me um <laughs> and while i sleep i don't hear it but my roommate does so <laughs> i'm very grateful for it so um it's definitely something that um has has been you know at the beginning was hard a lot of people don't know about it. A lot of people didn't know, and I'm very comfortable talking about it. It's nothing that I'm ashamed of, for sure. So, um, I mean, it's just like looking back at me finding out and then coming back to the United States a year after. And I, I one of the biggest and one of the funniest moments that I've ever had was when I came to the United States. Ever, if anyone would tell me anything, I would just say yes. <laughs> um, and that was a bad idea because. <laughs> There were some times where you should not have said yes, and if I said yes, that would have been a problem. So um, there were one time where I was, we were at a meet, and my coach told me the heat and lane, and I just said yes, and I missed my race. So <laughs> I was waiting, sitting, uh, sitting, waiting for my race, and my race had already begun. And, <laughs> and I went back to my coach, and I was like, "Sorry, I didn't even know." <laughs> so my coach was, you know, at the time, Chris, Coach Chris was, you know, one of one of the most um, helpful people and one of the most um, important people in my life that really helped me with so much, you know, transitioning from Egypt to the United States, um, understanding who I am, um, you know, growing, knowing how to take charge and 
one team. And all those stuff just kind of contributed to helping me who I am today. And I'm, I'm very grateful for those early mentors who really were there for me. You know, it's not something that they have to do, but it's something that they love to do. And um, it's definitely something that I'm working on passing on to other generations for sure. Mm-hmm. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing um, is being able to pass that knowledge on um, to that next generation, which is always something I like to ask the people that I have on here. What is your biggest takeaway that you've learned that you would, I guess, impart on that next tri- generation of swimmer or yeah. any sport? I think, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I, you know, it, my biggest takeaway is just, you know, it, it's definitely when you, when you think about, um, I've been swimming for about 18 years now and, or 17, 18 years. And what, what's like the biggest takeaway would be just kind of, you know, share the experience and share what you went through as, as a high school swimmer, as someone who went from Egypt to the United States and what's that, what that transition was like, what can I add for that swimmer or for that, you know, athlete to help ease that process for them. Um, it's definitely sharing your story and sharing your experience. I think that's what resonates the most with other athletes and other swimmers. Mm-hmm. Um, they learn the most when they have heard from someone who's been through so much and um, you know some challenges that's never been dealt with, they've never had to deal with before, but they know it will come at one point. Um, they learn how to do that. They learn how to approach those things. So it's definitely sharing the story uh, and creating platforms like your platform, like talking to podcasts, and you know it's something that I'm so so appreciative of because it helps me and it also helps you get that word out. It helps you know, you know help the athletes know that there are stories that are not um, you know not heard yet, but they're worth hearing because they're going to help you um, get to a world class level. They're going to help you get to you know get from you know, 22.5 to 22.0 in a year. It can it can do wonders, but the story, I think, is what matters the most, and it's the most powerful tool that we have, especially nowadays. Yeah, and I think everyone has some sort of unique thing, uh, especially people that have, you know, done sports at the level that uh, you have. There's There's something unique about it, and there's little lessons and takeaways that I hope resonate with different people um out there and they and they can take away and and learn from it um just a few other things what's one thing that maybe a non-athlete um could implement into their day-to-day life that you've been taught through your through your experience that's a very good question um i think uh, especially as an athlete, you learn how to time manage yourself. And I think you can apply that to any part of your life. Um, especially when I was at FUMA, you had to follow time and you had to follow you know, a strict routine that was um, set. set with, like you were, you didn't have a choice in doing it, you just had to do it. Um, and coming from FUMA going to Indiana, no one was, you know, no one was telling me to do anything. So when you're, when you're learning and when you're going through, you know, some, some shifts and some changes in your life, like, you know, moving states or moving coaches or changing, you know, something huge in your life or, you know, changing jobs and that kind of stuff. It's, it's really important to, you know, look at it one thing at a time and not to overthink about it because when, when that happens, it really, it really messes the whole thing up. It 
I, I've never seen overthinking to help, especially in swimming, so I don't think it helps in any part of life. Um, it just kind of sends the brain to kind of a, a panic mode where you kind of overthink and you're stressing yourself, and it's just a big mess. And um, I think, I, I definitely think it's time management is one of the biggest takeaways, um, especially as an athlete to, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not going to be keep, I'm not going to keep swimming for the rest of my life, but um it's important to to take away what I've learned from swimming and apply it to what's after swimming. And I'm definitely learning that. Mm-hmm. It's taught me so much. Like it, if we can talk, I can talk about it all day. So <laughs> um, I'm I'm very. I think the biggest thing is definitely time management. It's taught me a lot. Yeah, that seems to be a a, a common uh, thing across all sports, not just swimming, uh, which yeah. is huge. I mean, a lot of people don't don't know what it's like to, to manage that kind of schedule. So it, it can be, take some experience but and some adjusting. But once you get the hang of it, it can be super helpful. Um, what's next for you, though? I know you got Tokyo next year. Um, what are your kind of expectations for that? Yeah, um, definitely, you know, Tokyo is my second Olympic Games. And uh, I've been training here in Alabama for since May. Um, I moved with my coach, Coley Stickles. We were, he was my coach at IU for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, uh, he got a great job here as a head coach um, for the college, uh, UA, University of Alabama. Um, and me and a couple other pros like Ryan Held and Margot Beer uh, decided to move with him. Um, and I definitely don't regret that move at all. It's, it's been it's been a great, it's absolutely wonderful. You know, living as a pro, you're, you're it's, it's a great thing. Um, there's so much to, to be said about it. But, um, you know, just as a swimmer from Egypt, there's not been, been many many swimmers or sprinters, especially to, to get, let alone get under the 22-second barrier in 53. And I definitely, definitely want to do something big where, I, get, I wanted to be able to get a medal for Egypt in the last Olympics. And it's not an easy thing to do, but um, I know that every day matters. And you know, we got about 10 months until the next Olympic Games. And every day until then is just kind of a way to you know get better and to prove the, the people who are supporting me right. And you know, um, just kind of embarking on a new journey, just, uh, just to you know, uh, break more goals and, and be able to be able to, you know, prove prove that I'm able to uh, get a medal for Egypt. You know, take Egypt on a new new pedestal as as a, as a country and, and kind of get it more known around the world as a as a good swimming nation. And um, that's definitely one of one of very many of my expectations. That's that's awesome to hear. Um, well, Ali, I really appreciate the time you coming on here. Uh, best of luck in Tokyo next year. I'll definitely be pulling for you, rooting for you in those races. It'll be exciting to see. Thank you. Thank you yeah, so much. It's a pleasure to be on here. Thanks a lot. All right. I'm so glad that you took the time to listen in, and hopefully you enjoyed that conversation with Ali. He definitely has me pulling for him in Tokyo next summer. The biggest takeaway for me was how Ali has been able to handle the outside pressures, as well as never letting that moment really get too big for him. He stayed grounded throughout his whole journey which has been huge for his success. I ask that however you have been listening, whether on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or another platform, please share this episode with at least one person today. You can impact someone else's lives in a positive way by doing so. 
subscribe to our channel so that you'll never miss an episode and come back on Monday as I welcome on Spartan Racing National Championship qualifier, Nicole Fisher.